The strength of the stormtrooper lays not in his armor, though it is formidable, nor in his weapon, though it aims true. It lays not in his training, though it prepares him for any task, nor in the soldier himself, though his courage and determination carries him forward. The strength of the stormtrooper is in his ideological preparation, his belief in the emperor and the empire, which makes him fearless, unafraid of death, and willing to throw himself at any challenge that may face him on the battlefield. The stormtrooper is the elite force of the imperial war machine, a disciplined and ideologically driven force of nature. Though their numbers are fewer than any other branch of the imperial military, their status and role have made them unique symbols of the empire and feared foes on the battlefield. You are listening to the Star Lords Podcast. out of the ashes of the Clone Wars, the former Grand Army of the Republic was reconstituted into the various branches of the Imperial military. The clone soldiers became the first stormtroopers. During Emperor Palpatine's rule, the Imperial military underwent several reforms that gradually reduced the Empire's dependence on clone soldiers. These changes aimed to distance the Empire from its previous identity as the Old Republic. Even prior to the introduction of Stormtrooper armor, the Empire's desire for uniformity and obedience led to the abandonment of unit markings and armor customization within the Grand Army. As a result, the Phase II battle armor reverted to a plain white appearance. While the Jedi Order had emphasized individuality and creativity among the clone troopers, the Stormtrooper Corps instilled in them a strict doctrine of absolute loyalty and conformity to the new order. The tradition of clones using nicknames, fostered under the encouragement of their Jedi officers, became outdated as Imperial officers started referring to them by number designations. This shift reflected the Empire's deliberate efforts to reshape its image and military structure. Stormtroopers played a crucial role in Emperor Palpatine's endeavors to solidify the emerging Empire. Rebellion erupted across the galaxy, spanning from Naboo, the Emperor's home planet, to the Outer Rim world of Mustafar. The Stormtrooper Corps not only faced challenges from various planetary uprisings, but also dealt with the scattered remnants of the former Separatist Alliance. The implementation of Order 66, a contingency directive instructing clone troopers to immediately eliminate their Jedi superiors, persisted throughout the Great Jedi Purge. 
This mandate compelled stormtroopers to execute any Jedi on site and actively engage in hunts for the most prominent figures among these dissenters. Often, these operations were conducted under the supervision of the Supreme Commander, Darth Vader. The Jango Fett clones were gradually phased out in place of new, varied clone templates and regular human recruits. Despite the effectiveness of the Fett clones, Palpatine realized the weakness in trusting the Kaminoans, who staged a clone uprising using their own Fett clones against the Empire. The incident was classified, covered, and buried. Up to that point, most stormtroopers shared the same genetic makeup. An exception was the experimental G-Node clone line, which consisted of clones created from various templates. However, the G-Nodes proved unreliable, often succumbing to instances of clone madness. Generally, clone stormtroopers were bred from the same gene pool, undergoing growth and training through Kaminoan and Arcanian micro-methods. The Kaminoan creation of a clandestine army of renegade clone troopers led the Emperor to consider the Fett line compromised. Although the insurrection was quelled, and control over Kamino's cloning facilities was regained, the Stormtrooper Corps underwent a notable transformation. The influx of clones from diverse templates marked a significant departure from the previous uniformity in the Empire Stormtrooper ranks. While clones retained significance within the Stormtrooper Corps, their role gradually diminished over time, giving way to an increasing presence of enlisted troops, birth-born humans recruited to serve the Empire as Imperial Stormtroopers. Humans, abundant throughout the galaxy and cons constituting the dominant species of the Empire, emerged as a pragmatic solution to the challenges associated with cloning. Arcanian processes yielded subpar troopers, while a Kaminoan method was deemed both slow and expensive. From the perspective of the Fett clones, the Stormtrooper Corps lost the purity that characterized the old clone army of the Republic. Remaining Fett clones, including a veteran of the 501st Legion and Commander Cody, viewed the influx of new clones and enlisted personnel as unwelcome outsiders. Cody, in particular, harbored a disdain for human recruits, considering them inferior to clone troopers, and attributing them to the decline in the operational effectiveness of the Stormtrooper Corps. By the decade leading up to the Battle of Yavin in Zero BBY, the percentage of clone soldiers had dwindled to approximately a third of the overall Stormtrooper Corps. As the once all-clone Stormtrooper Corps opened its ranks to human recruits, the Imperial Academy system became instrumental in Stormtrooper training. While most enlisted troopers graduated from academies on Korulag and Raythal, the most exceptional Stormtrooper cadets found placement at the prestigious Academy of Karida. Initially, a training center for non-clone officers during the Clone Wars, Karida continued to this role within the Stormtrooper Corps under the Empire. It gained a reputation for producing the best and bravest cadets. Clones bred with greater independence were also stationed on Karida, where they honed their leadership skills through a combination of flash instruction and live training. Following the abrupt power vacuum resulting from the demise of the two ruling Sith Lords, the Empire found itself leaderless and subsequently fractured into numerous factions. This division extended to the Stormtrooper Corps, which became scattered among various warlords and contenders for the Imperial Throne. The outcome was the collapse of the Stormtroopers, as its units were assimilated directly into the Imperial Army. 
In certain factions, the integration of stormtroopers and imperial army troopers occurred with the latter outfitted in stormtrooper armor due to dwindling cloning facilities and academies. In the case of Zinn's faction, raptors largely replaced the stormtroopers in terms of functionality. In the decades following the conclusion of the Galactic Civil War, with the New Republic emerging victorious, efforts were made to restore the Stormtrooper Corps, albeit in a significantly diminished state. This reflected the Empire's transformation into the Imperial Remnant. However, with the transition into the Fell Empire, the Stormtrooper Corps was once again disbanded, and its personal personnel were absorbed into the Imperial Army. The year 137 ABY witnessed a resurgence of internal conflict within the resurgent empire, as stormtroopers found themselves embroiled in a civil war between Darth Kratz's Sith Empire and Ronefell's loyalist faction. At a certain juncture during the Fell Empire's reign, the stormtrooper corps underwent disbandment and its stormtroopers were reallocated to the Imperial Army. Despite this reorganization, individual stormtrooper units persisted, functioning independently as elite shock forces. Notably, non-humans were now permitted to serve among the ranks. Task and Purpose The Stormtrooper Corps, an autonomous military branch, operated in conjunction with the Imperial Army within the Galactic Empire. Despite being the smallest among the primary three military branches, the Imperial Stormtroopers, governed by their distinct command structure, ultimately answered directly to Emperor Palpatine and Supreme Commander Darth Vader. These two figures were the architects and rulers of the New Order which sought to bring most of the known galaxy under Imperial Dominion. Renowned as elite shock troopers and the Emperor's special forces, the Corps played a dual role as the primary enforcers of Emperor Palpatine. This enforcement extended both within the military ranks and throughout the galactic populace, a testament to the stormtroopers' unwavering allegiance to Palpatine. Before the Battle of Endor and the de facto collapse of Imperial authority, the apex organizational entity within the Imperial military was the Imperial High Command. Subordinate to this was the Stormtrooper Command, the coordinating body responsible for overseeing all operations of the Stormtrooper Corps. Direct orders for Stormtrooper Command emanated from Emperor Palpatine. Although certain specific units, known as Moff's own, were frequently under the jurisdiction of a Moff. Additionally, stormtroopers often op operated under the command of the Supreme Commander, Darth Vader, who exercised direct control over his elite personal legion, the 501st. Members of Stormtrooper Command were held to a stringent standard facing consequences ranging from execution to being compelled to serve in the field if deemed incompetent. Before the era of the Imperial Remnant, the composition of the Stormtrooper Corps was predominantly human, with males making up the majority. The inclusion of females was notably limited, and according to insights from a female Stormtrooper named Asila Drutch, this 
was not dri driven up by outright prejudice, but rather practical considerations. The intense physical training regimen of stormtroopers posed challenges for females, making them more likely to wash out due to physiological differences. Additionally, the absence of female clone lines further contributed to the lower representation of females. Isila Drutch suggested that the design of stormtrooper armor concealed gender, leading civilians to assume an all-male composition in the stormtrooper corps. During the New Order, aliens were generally prohibited from joining the stormtrooper corps except for serial stormtroopers, who were recruited by General Bentelius Sanskar, an alien Kalish officer, Major Stafus Raz Agektel, potentially received similar consideration due to his uniform resembling that of NCO Stormtrooper Corps officers. Following the reduction of the Empire to the Imperial Remnant, the Stormtrooper Corps adopted a more inclusive approach by recruiting more females and allowing aliens into its ranks. This shift was partly driven by desperation in countering the New Republic. The Corps affiliated with the Empire of the Hand faction also integrated aliens amongst its ranks. Furthermore, the United Warlords fleet under Admiral Natasi Dalla featured a small corps of stormtroopers exclusively composed of aliens. In their role within the Navy, stormtroopers served as Marines, ensuring loyalty aboard ships and acting as security forces on both vessels and battle stations. They were also responsible for securing various enemy ships for capture. On planetary surfaces, they led assaults advancing ahead of army units to capture strategic targets such as spaceports and gun emplacements. Deployed to the toughest combat zones, the Stormtrooper Corps functioned as rapid deployment force rather than one designed for long-term occupation. Despite their smaller numerical strength compared to the Army and Navy, the Corps maintained flexibility in ground and space operations by serving both military branches depending on the situation. Possessing their own command structure and training regimens, the Stormtrooper Corps primarily relied on its infrastructure for support. Recognized as the most renowned Imperial soldiers and a symbol of the Empire's military might, their reputation alone acted as a formidable deterrent against all but the most determined saboteurs and aggressors. As the Emperor's chief enforcers and shock troopers, the Stormtrooper Corps prioritized rapid deployment and did not focus on long-term occupation of planets. They were deployed and recalled as needed, with extraction prioritized when securing a withdrawal point except in cases where prolonged struggles threatened the Empire's industrial capacity or weakened its strategic positions. The Corps operated on every planet in the Empire, emphasizing a streamlined and ready posture for swift deployment. Despite having fewer members than the combined ranks of the Imperial Army and Navy, the Corps considered this intentional 
likening it to the effectiveness of a narrow blade compared to a thick one. Their deployment to planets was strategic, generally focused on locations deemed important for forward bases, resource harvesting, or industrial capacity-related roles. Deployment to worlds lacking strategic value to the Empire was rare, and considerations given to the significance of the planet in fulfilling Imperial objectives. Structure and Organization Stormtrooper Corps adhered to the order of battle as its organizational structure, resembling the lower-level structure of the Imperial Army. However, unlike the Army, the Legion served as the highest level in Stormtrooper Command structure, and Stormtrooper units did not include support personnel. Despite this, the Corps managed to procure sufficient supplies to maintain its sizable force and occasionally diverted resources from the regular logistical chain. The methods employed for the resource acquisition remained unclear, with theories suggesting they either, quote, lived off the land, or utilized a clandestine network to enhance their mystique, or simply operated without the need for resupply in the first place. Legion, 9,813 units, comprising four regiments. 9,812 units, 8,192 troopers, and 1,620 officers, led by a high colonel. The largest defined level of organization in the Stormtrooper Corps, a legion is akin to an Imperial Army battle group. Depending on the composition of the squads and legions, a legion can reach up to 14,677 units, including 12,800 stormtroopers, and 1,876 officers. The mere deployment and parading of legions also served as a form of psychological warfare, leveraging the psychological impact of dominance within the anonymity of their armor. Regiment, 2,453 units, comprising four battalions, 2,452 units, 2,048 troopers and 404 officers, led by a lieutenant colonel. Sufficient for seizing a Class A planetary starport, a stormtrooper regiment may reach as high as 3,669 units, consisting of 3,200 troopers and 468 officers, depending on the size of scouts and platoons. Battalion, 613 units comprising of four companies, 612 units, 512 troopers, and 100 officers, led by a major, likely to incorporate various specialized stormtrooper units. A battalion may reach up to 917 units, including 800 troopers and 116 officers, based on a squad and platoon manpower. In some cases, a lack of staff officers results in a battalion holding 820 men, similar to battalions within the standard Imperial Army. Company, 153 units, comprising four platoons, each including 128 troopers, 16 sergeants, 16 corporals, 
four lieutenants and four sergeant majors, led by a captain. Platoon, 38 units, comprising four squads, each including 32 troopers, four sergeants, and four corporals, led by one lieutenant and one sergeant major. Squad, nine units, comprising eight troopers, including a corporal led by a sergeant. The smallest stormtrooper unit typically deployed in threat situations and may include up to 10 troopers. Although a legion represented the highest standard unit within the stormtrooper corps, various legions were known to merge from other sectors into one unit within a sector group for a major offensive. Similarly, while the squad was the lowest standard unit, it could further subdivide into two fire teams, each adopting a wedge formation allowing for maximum firing range in every direction and facilitating ready communication between members. Similar to the rest of the Imperial military, officer ranks within the Stormtrooper Corps were indicated by a distinct combination of colored squares and code cylinders worn on the uniform. When deployed in the field, officers typically adorned orange pauldrons and or colored stripes on their armor. Notably, the cold assault Stormtroopers constituted one of the few exceptions as they displayed a rank insignia on the breastplate even during field operations. Training and Reputation Contrary to popular belief, the Stormtrooper Corps are not most numerous or the most basic Imperial military unit. Stormtrooper training encompassed two years of rigorous exercise, challenging recruits both physically and mentally, resulting in the formation of elite soldiers deeply indoctrinated in the principles of the new order. Their unwavering dedication to Emperor Palpatine, coupled with personal allegiances to Lord Vader, became widely recognized throughout the Empire. Few stormtroopers could be swayed, coerced, or enticed into abandoning their loyalty to the Galactic Empire. The Stormtrooper Corps gained immense popularity as the profession among Imperial citizens, largely fueled by Imperial Newsnet reporting on the Empire's numerous victories against the forces of the Rebellion and Chaos underscoring their role in maintaining order and stability within the regime. Functioning as an autonomous branch within the Imperial military, the Stormtrooper Corps provided support to both the Imperial Army and Navy while maintaining distinct affiliations with neither. Positioned as an elite force of unwaveringly loyal shock troopers, the Corps existed to enforce the Emperor's will across both the military ranks and the galactic populace. Their allegiance to the Emperor and the Galactic Empire was so profound that, while they were prepared to sacrifice their lives for the Empire if necessary, they harbored no suicidal inclinations. Recognizing that a deceased stormtrooper held no utility for the Empire unless it served the Emperor's objectives, they abstained from such thoughts. Additionally, their purported lack of fear was evidenced in their reluctance to surrender except when faced with insurmountable odds. And even then, 
only after securing the primary objective. Although their foremost loyalty lay with the Emperor, followed by the Supreme Commander, they assumed the role of honor guards for high-ranking Imperial personnel, such as ambassadors, grand moffs, moffs, admirals, and governor generals. These honor guard units comprised a minimum of 10 stormtroopers. Following the Stormtrooper Corps' adoption of a recruitment policy to replace cloning stock, the program imposed stringent conformity standards to uphold program integrity in the absence of clones. The requirement aimed to control the diverse human genetic stock, demanding a genetic suitability of 97.5% or higher to a human genome type clone template. Height needed to fall within 1.79 to 1.85 meters, weight within 78 to 85 kilograms, body mass slash musculature within a scala scoring of 22 by 5 at maximum, tactical intelligence rating of at least 790, and a receptivity to indoctrination with a minimum class of C. According to the Kaminoan analysis, these recruitment standards match the same minimum physical benchmarks as Camino-grown clones. And the program allowed for interchangeable uniforms and armor as an added benefit. Upon meeting recruitment standards, Stormtrooper recruits underwent training at one of the Stormtrooper academies, with at least two known the Academy of Carita and the Royal Guard Academy on Yinkor. The former focusing on training stormtrooper officers, including wilderness survival, desert warfare simulations, underwater battle tactics, experimental weapons testing, flash memory instruction in military history, emotional suppression for self-discipline, and education in the principles of the Emperor's New Order. The grueling physical tests and extensive indoctrination at Corita fostered unswerving loyalty to the Empire, making attempts to bribe, blackmail, or seduce them mostly unsuccessful. Leia emphasized the thoroughness of the indoctrination, making stormtroopers difficult to reason with or deprogram, instilling terror due to the deeply ingrained ideology. The training's conditioning was rigorous enough that stormtroopers favored their right side, adopted identical kneeling positions, and showcased uniformity and overwhelming firepower in battle. Recruits were extensively trained to survive in various environments, including those hostile to humans. The Royal Guard Academy on Yinkor, a top-secret facility, primarily trained members of the Emperor's Royal Guard, with smaller complexes instructing other stormtrooper divisions, notably Imperial Riot Troopers. The Academy's severe training involved combat techniques, Ichani arts, and final tests in the Squall Arena, culminating in a battle to the death overseen by the Emperor. The Yinkor facility remained highly classified and even high-ranking Empire officers lacking clearance to know specifics beyond generalities. 
The Stormtrooper Corps, particularly the 501st Legion, exhibited superb marksmanship, noted by Obi-Wan Kenobi for their precision in executing Jawas on Tatooine. Leia suggested that stormtroopers rarely miss their targets unless deliberately luring them into a trap. In some instances, stormtroopers were also trained to pilot TIE fighters. Weapons, Armor, Equipment Despite their abundance, and equipped with advanced weaponry and armor, stormtroopers found themselves generally lacking in the esteem of the clone troopers who came before them. Commander Cody, among the final clones to continue service long after the Empire's establishment, held the belief that the operational effectiveness of the stormtrooper corps had significantly waned over time. He attributed this decline to the inclusion of human recruits into the stormtrooper ranks. He also included the DC-15A blaster rifle, previously used by clone troopers, being replaced with the Stormtrooper's E-11 blaster rifle, which was deemed more advanced. Members of the Stormtrooper Corps were outfitted with a diverse array of uniforms. Non-commissioned officers wore a black uniform with a double-breasted tunic, trousers, and a matching cap featuring an officer's disc. Once commissioned, Stormtrooper officers transitioned to variations of the Stormtrooper armor that indicated their rank. The Field Stormtrooper Officer variant displayed armor markings including a stripe over the helmet, stripes over the right leg and feet, Y-shaped chest stripes, arm stripes, and blue color pauldrons representing their unit. Another variant used in the field featured an orange shoulder pauldron and specific rank insignia. The Stormtrooper armor, characterized by enclosed white armor over a black vacuum-sealed bodysuit, exhibited variations based on the training undergone and the mission environment. Newly recruited stormtroopers, rarely seen in direct combat, wore weaker armor compared to seasoned counterparts. Assault troopers donned armor similar to basic stormtrooper armor, with yellow highlights around the arms and helmet, resembling Phase 1 clone trooper commanders. They were assigned to assault rebel line spaces, engage in head-on attacks, and were proficient in fighting rebel special forces during ambushes. Imperial Heavy Troopers, emphasizing hand-to-hand combat against larger aliens, wore a specialized form of Stormtrooper armor, somewhat resembling Phase II Clone Trooper armor, with a slightly darker tone. Armored Stormtroopers wore heavily armored versions with orange pauldrons, similar to Imperial Marines, and included a red monocle device. Specialized Stormtroopers, trained in particular types of firearm, received armor variations with colored pauldrons indicating their assigned tasks, such as yellow for riflemen and blue or white for snipers, the latter having slightly more durable armor. Stormtrooper Grenadiers and the Emperor's Royal Guard, occasionally entering the field in crimson-colored Stormtrooper armor, did not exhibit major armor differences based on speciality. Customized Stormtrooper armor was also observed in certain cases. In terms of weapons, standard stormtroopers were equipped with the Blastech E-11 blaster rifle and the SE-14R light repeating blaster. Additionally, they utilized various other weapons such as the 4X blaster rifle, DLT-19 heavy blaster rifle, 
T-21 light repeating blasters, T-28 repeating sniper rifles, E-11 sniper rifles, oppressor flamethrowers, plasma casters, arc casters, PLX-2M portable missile launchers, PLX-4 missile launchers, CSPL-12 projectile launchers, equalizer shoulder ion cannon, ion mortars, stoker concussion rifles, V-6D mortar launchers, DXR-6 heavy carbines, DEMP-2, Proton Rifles, EE-3 Carbine Rifles, DXR-6 Disruptor Rifles, and Imperial Heavy Repeaters. Stormtroopers were also trained to operate E-Web Heavy Repeating Blasters or E-Web Missile Launchers. Some Storm Snipers used the RT-9C-7 Heavy Blaster Rifle. Qus clones, Force-sensitive clones of Emperor's Hand Say Qus, utilized lightsabers. Iridium core code key thermal detonators were attached to the back or the torso, requiring a specific code known only to the assigned stormtrooper to prevent unauthorized use. Stormtroopers also carried LXR-6 concussion grenades. Vehicles accessible to the stormtrooper core included the Delta-class DX-9 stormtrooper transport, Imperial escort carriers, TIE HU Hunter multi-role starfighters used by storm commandos, and the Emperor's Royal Guard, TIE, Ion, and Starfighters. Dubak lizards served as steeds for ground operations, particularly by Dubak troopers, attacking mechanized weaponry and patrols. Despite being suitable for desert areas, Dubak troopers were observed using them in various environments, including Hoth. And now, here's a word from our sponsor. Young people from all over the globe are joining up to fight for the future. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part. I'm doing my part, too. <laughs> They're doing their part. Are you? Join the mobile infantry and save the world. Service guarantees citizenship. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for flying with us. Jordan here. Just wanted to let everyone know what's happening here at the Star Lords podcast. Star Lords is now on Discord. If you would like to join the Star Lords Cantina Discord server, you can find a link in the description or on any of our social media accounts. Reach out with a DM or email. We'd love to hear from you. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching the Star Lores podcast. Go ahead and give our page a like and send us a message. You can also email at starlorespodcast at gmail.com. Send us your fan art, Star Wars collections, or fan fictions, and you may even get a feature on one of our pages or even the show. Don't be afraid to offer corrections or add to any of the topics that we discuss on the show. We are also on Patreon. 
So if you want to help us pay the bills, as well as get a few awesome perks like bonus episodes, access to the private Facebook group, or the VIP section of the Discord server, head on over to patreon.com forward slash starlores and sign up for as little as one US dollar a month. And finally, make sure to subscribe to us on your favorite podcatcher app or YouTube, as well as sending us a five-star review on iTunes. This really helps us reach a wider audience. Enjoy the rest of the show. Hey everyone, welcome aboard the Millennial Falcon. This is Christian. This is Jordan. And we're currently in the Imperial Recruiting Barracks getting our heads shaved after making some terrible decisions to join the Stormtrooper Corps. So Christian, hear me out. Tropic Thunder, but Stormtroopers. <laughs> There's something yeah, almost <laughs> like that if you've seen the Troopers YouTube uh, fan show. It's yeah. more like cops. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's out there. <laughs> Comedy featuring your favorite uh, military shock troops. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so let's get some stuff out of the way that um, caused Jordan some laughter while recording is the distinct descriptions of stormtroopers as competent and terrifying and excellent marksmen, all of which are true in universe. Um, so... Contrary, yeah, it's, yeah. It's the big bantha in the room here. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, clearly the way that we have presented stormtroopers in this episode seems a lot more menacing and dangerous than and conflicting yeah. with what you might have seen on screen. <laughs> yeah, with what we're used to on screen. Yeah. However, there are clearly uh, other depictions and other material, other mediums, uh, other than the films. That, it's that it's a mixed bag. Sometimes it is, they're. Yeah. They're shown as being incompetent and bumbling in other media, and sometimes they're shown as like competent and even dangerous or scary. Yeah. But the lore, as it's written, is that stormtroopers are effective, dangerous, and good. They're good, yeah, good soldiers. I, yeah, yeah. I should say, um, they're good at what they do. They're well trained and they're well equipped. Um, so, kind of a fan explanation <laughs> is that. Uh, when we're first kind of introduced to stormtroopers, they are fairly menacing when they fight the rebels on on um, the Tantive Four. Um, I mean, it's not really clear to see their kill death ratio, but they certainly take the ship in like a almost suicidal forward charge, which makes sense for their role. Um, and then even Obi Wan remarks later on that. Uh, when the Jawas are all found dead, yeah, 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 these shots are too accurate for sand people. They're their uh the work of imperial stormtroopers or so which kind of contradicts almost the first scene of that film not the first scene but later scenes when they're aboard the death star so here's the thing is you have a force of troopers that are ideologically driven so like they're like we mentioned their self-preservation isn't on the highest uh, level and the 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 I don't want to call it a fan theory because it's kind of plain in the movie, but some people accuse it of being like fans filling in plot holes, whatever. <laughs> um, point is, is that Darth Vader, the plan was always for the Millennium Falcon to escape the Death Star. That was always a plan. Vader anticipated it because he put a tracking beacon on their ship in order to find the rebel base. <clears throat> so knowing this and also in later media learning that 
a lot of the 501st stationed on the Death Star are actually clone troopers um, and even more elite than the regular stormtroopers. Um, I mean, some of them, maybe not all of them. The um, they allowed they allowed the rebels to escape. They allowed Han and Luke and Leia to to escape the Death Star, meaning they were probably pulling their shots, willing to take one for the team to get shot and everything else in order to allow them to escape for the greater objective of finding the rebel base and destroying it and ending the rebellion once and for all. Um, so it's not a crazy stretch of the imagination when you have these guys that are willing to die for the Empire to achieve whatever objective are told, hey, we'll kind of let these guys win. Um, now that doesn't save them from later depictions. And then, uh, well, again, I should say, you see snowtroopers, which are a subgroup of stormtrooper. Uh, they win the Battle of Hoth. So again, you see that again, they're competent soldiers um, and a little more menacing. Yeah, Kind of, you lose the plot a little bit at Cloud City. Whatever, yeah. <laughs> and then there's really not a lot to be said about Return of the Jedi's depiction when they fight the Ewoks, but um, but it's more of a mixed bag on screen than like the typical like it's a big joke that like stormtroopers miss all the time and they're incompetent and they are they do function from a storytelling perspective obviously as red shirts, right or whatever the opposite of that is is like bad guys to just get mowed down, yeah. um, henchmen, right people for the heroes to just beat. But aside from all that, in universe, in the world of Star Wars, they are, in fact, dangerous, menacing, competent, and all of the above. Yeah. I so, mean, it, it's kind of undeniable in how they are described. Even if you go to, like, uh, oh, what where were they in the essential guide to characters? I can't remember one of those old essential guide books, yeah. which is where I got a lot of my initial lore from. <laughs> um, up, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, they were described as being like, like not the way that you saw the, the, you, you feel like you see them in the movie. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Now a lot of this, again, kind of drawing that delineation between Disney star Wars, you have other examples that have shown up later about stormtroopers. We're kind of ignoring all that for now. However, Disney, Whatever Disney does with Stormtroopers is separate from what we're yeah. discussing here. So things like Rogue One, um, there's some arguable instances of Stormtrooper interactions there and, you know, the sequel movies and all that. But ignoring all that, just sticking to Legends. Captain Phasma. <laughs> we're not going to get into that and how uh, What's-His-Face just mows down all his brothers that he was... Uh, we're not, let's not get too yeah, derailed yeah. here. Finn. Yeah. Anyways, so yeah, that's the big thing in the room that we want to make really clear that I think the lore has to overemphasize these things to kind of beat that out of people that stormtroopers are these fumbling idiots who don't know what's going on. Um, and I think I like the portrayal of them as being actually menacing opponents. Um, yeah. A, it makes the hero's victories all the more heroic when yeah. they're like actually fighting against dangerous opponents. Um, shows how good your heroes are if they do manage to win. And uh, and just adds a little more risk, right? To the to the yeah. I will say too, like um, the precursor to the stormtroopers, the clone troopers, even in the film, seem to be depicted a little more competently, yeah, and not as ridiculous as they are in later on. So I I wonder if that was like a Lucas creative decision or something, or maybe he he didn't like how they depicted the stormtroopers and he. 
the the clone troopers were sort of a a trying to correct that wrong maybe yeah. i don't know <laughs> now all that being said even in lore there is a notable degradation of the clone trooper to the stormtrooper yeah even yeah. the clones see that as as like a like a bastardization uh, yeah exactly of what yeah. they once were <laughs> So the and again, like you're competing with clone troopers who are supposed to be like bred for war, like they are elite super soldiers. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, every anything else is going to be a step down from that, but that isn't to shortchange the stormtroopers either. Yeah. Um, at least from our perspective, if you're a clone looking down on a stormtrooper, you've kind of <laughs> earned it. If you're us looking yeah. at a stormtrooper, but I mean, you can't deny that stormtroopers go through like pretty rigorous training. Yeah. And, and the other the other element I want to well, I'll talk about it in a second here. Uh, well, actually, I'll talk about it now. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I'll take. No, I'm just kidding. Um, is their their indoctrination right? So they're physically demanding. Like it's very intensive training, both physical, mental, yeah. and you have the indoctrination factor, which leads to soldiers who are ideologically committed, um, which historically lead to not the best soldiers, but the most fierce fighters. Yeah. Uh, people who are ideologically driven, who believe in their cause, who are willing to die from their cause, for their cause, um, can be very dangerous opponents, even if they do lack in other areas of like training or weapons or what have you. Um, you see this both in like um, ideologically driven, like terrorist organization things. You have people who are willing to use tactics that you wouldn't consider, like blowing yourself up. Um, you see it even as far back as like, um, communist Red Guard or uh, obviously what the stormtroopers are somewhat reminiscent of um, like the SS divisions, the actual Nazi divisions in Germany um, who are ideologically driven to fight more so than they're just a soldier doing their job. So there are elements of being ideologically driven that I also wanted to emphasize with the stormtroopers as well. Yeah. Um, all this to say, if you are running a Star Wars RPG, make your stormtroopers dangerous. Make them bad guys that are like a boss, right? That your your heroes have to overcome. Now, if someone's running an RPG and uh, they paint their miniatures, miniature stormtrooper nonconformist, is that a sin against humanity? <laughs> it's a sin against the Empire. That's for sure. Um, there's something else on that note I wanted to mention. Uh, oh yeah, the other big bantha in the room is the size of the stormtrooper core. Um, a lot of people assume because it's what you see, what you're presented with on screen is like, oh, the stormtroopers are like the basic soldier of the empire. Yeah, but they're not. They're right. actually an elite small force, and it's the imperial army that has very little screen time, um, and probably people wouldn't notice it just watching from the movies. They're all stormtroopers. They're all bad guys, um, but they are a distinct military force uh similar even to like the american marines versus the general army yeah um on that note too like even uh if you go back to our essential guide to armor episode and we briefly touched on stormtrooper armor uh it, it's like expensive to make it's this isn't something you can like just outfit with billions of people like yeah. that, it's not like it's made out of just cheap plastic yeah like the <laughs> <laughs> despite how you might have seen it on screen <laughs> But the manufacturing capacity to like make that much armor for you know uh, you know uh, a, a, a empire of a trillion people you yeah. know is like even small costs add up quickly yeah, yeah. let so, alone the cost of the armor itself yeah. right and yeah like the imperial the imperial soldiers and we'll do a whole episode on the imperial army 
Uh, but they wear a lot less armor. They you'll yeah. see you'll notice them as guys in more like green fatigues or like AT AT pilots. Right, right. Yeah. Um well again we'll we'll discuss all this later. But yeah, they aren't as heavily armored as the stormtroopers, and they are actually the foot soldiers of the Empire. And the stormtroopers are this elite, fast reaction, hold strategic key objectives, uh, role, again more like the expe- uh, Marine Expeditionary Force, and then the army units come in and actually hold ground that was taken by the stormtroopers, which makes sense too for their name, uh, which I'll get into in a second. But if you had any points on that, nope, go ahead. Okay. Um. So as even I just mentioned, the stormtroopers obviously the empire being modeled as this like pseudo fascistic regime. Um. One kind of historical note about the word stormtrooper. Uh, a lot of people automatically associate it with Nazis. Um, yeah. But where stormtroopers really entered common usage as a type of soldier was actually World War One. Um, it's kind of the same idea. We kind of mentioned this in previous Imperial episodes where like a lot of German, Imperial German iconography and stuff was co-opted by Nazis. It's the same case with stormtroopers. Um so the German army, again, being the stalemate that World War One was in a lot of places, uh, stormtrooper units were like elite formations used to storm trenches. Their job was to be like a spear tip and punch through an enemy line. Right. So that, like, the German army of 1914 did not have any Nazis in it because <laughs> the Nazi party didn't exist yet. Yeah. Um, and so that's when it actually entered, like, common battlefield usage. And actually the Canadian military adopted a similar tactic and they were seen as shock troops by okay. the Germans as well. And we were kind of like the counter stormtrooper right, against right. the Germans. Okay. So stormtrooper itself doesn't have inherent fascistic connotations until later um, when the, the, the a core of uh, ideologically driven Nazi supporters uh, adopted the name stormtrooper in reference or homage to the stormtroopers of World War One, um, as like essentially political shock troops. So then that's when you kind of tie in like the ideological aspect, which now these stormtroopers of Star Wars kind of are more reminiscent of. But those stormtroopers were more like civilians, maybe ex-military uh, members who became more political troops rather than the general military troops. So... Just a kind of distinction, like I said, a lot of people just automatically associate Stormtrooper with the Nazi German version rather than like their actual origins in World War One, which again, a lot of the Imperial uniforms are actually more reminiscent of World War One rather than 1942. Just yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Just kind of clearing some history because <laughs> it, it just bothers me a lot when Stormtrooper automatically means like fascist or Nazi when it's like not necessarily that it's more of the battlefield functionality um yeah fair enough yeah (laughs) yeah it's a good good uh historical correction there's world war ii is there's so many caricatures of yeah it's so like the mythology about world war ii yeah it's built on top of the reality (laughs) yeah it's it's, and the reality is horrific on so many levels like from so many different angles and oh yeah and everything but yeah, there's a mythology that gets built around it that's kind of, you know, blinds people to the to the truth. Yeah, totally. Um, and a lot of it too from World War One gets absorbed into World War Two. Yeah, which is unfortunate because there are, there are units and people and 
and even iconography that gets kind of corrupted by, by it's true i so. mean yeah i mean in a lot of ways world war ii is just a extension of world war, of world, world yeah. war one but yeah it, it is it was still you know a 20 year roughly uh, gap gap yeah. between the two so so we we still have time <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah indeed any any more thoughts on no, I mean, the Empire's storm, finest storm, stormtroopers are uh, pretty awesome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I I think I think they they haven't been given a fair shake in in, uh, in the media. Yeah, yeah, in the film media anyway. Specifically, yeah. Uh, it would be cool to see some. Uh, there have been some pretty sweet fan films that people have made. Yeah. Uh, about stormtroopers. We've reviewed one of them. Yeah. Yeah, we've reviewed one. I can't remember the name off the top of my head. TK something. Yeah, TK something. People should check it out. It's pretty, pretty dope. Uh, but yeah, it just like kind of gives you a bit of a different take take on stormtroopers, and uh, they they're also like they're different than clone troopers, right? They're not. It's weird, even though they're like uniform, they are like more individuals. Yeah, once the helmet comes off, they're yeah. probably different people and yeah, yeah. regular people even underneath the mask. Yeah, that's right. Um, which is an interesting point on the humanization versus dehumanization factor. Um, like even at, when we see them on screen as bad guys, like they're meant to dehumanize themselves by the armor and the uniformity. Um so it's easier to just mow them down and not have a second thought, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but it's interesting always when media like humanizes them too. Yeah. Um, that being said, again, going back to the ideological driven kind of soldier and even again in the lore, it discusses how hard it is to corrupt or change or convert them, right? Like they are entrenched. They are political soldiers yeah. as much as they are military soldiers. And that drive is kind of what will lead most of them to death like they will fight to the bitter end yeah and on that note too i do wish there was something like a little more the stakes maybe were a little more higher as to why they are so entrenched ideologically like i get i get that there's like the brainwashing aspect to it yeah um but we even know from like you know brainwashed child soldiers they can they can come back it's pretty yeah it's pretty common uh, well but, i don't know common is maybe not a word i would use but well like it can happen they, they don't no there's there's i've read quite a bit about it there's like a lot of uh kids who once they leave that environment they're not like loyal to their uh sure but who, who, like that's with an intensive deprogramming structure that's the difference between like walking up to a politically driven enemy on the battlefield who's completely surrounded in his environment worshiping his leader and telling them like, "Hey, you should switch sides." Of course, well, or like here's some money, and they're like, "Well, that doesn't mean anything to me." Versus someone who's taken out of that environment, who's like has effort no, put into the, their deprogramming. And- so hold on, here's my point though. My point, like, if you look at like the um, okay, let's take World War Two, the Nazis. Okay, yeah. the the actual Germans fighting for Hitler. Yeah, if you if you just go back in history, you can actually find some pretty good motivators as to why what would like lead them to become indoctrinated themselves, right? Like if you look at the Treaty of Versailles, if you look at the blockade of Germany after world after the Germans had already surrendered in World War One, and it like killed like almost a million people. It was like it was brutal. Like there there's like I think I think there's like yeah. a hatred that 
comes up like if you're a kid growing up in that and then all of a sudden world war ii rolls around and you're an adult and then obviously you're or you're surrounded in a school system that's like yeah yeah but all the all the propaganda also confirms your own like personal experiences right like so and it's like these are the people to blame for all the problems all the hard hardships you went through as a as a child or whatever and then you know so it's I don't know. I, um, I do. I do wonder if, like, if there is like, if you were to tell like a stormtrooper story, like show some instance where they like a bunch of these guys went through some like horrible thing by the Republic or something, yeah. right? Or maybe they used to be an independent or separatist world that was attacked right. by the clones. And yeah, so, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So they believe in the new order. Um, maybe counterpoint to that is I'm trying to draw the distinction between like the hardcore SS and the general German army. Yeah. They're both fighting for the same cause, but you're probably going to have a lot more um, ease with deprogramming a regular German soldier rather than like a hardcore true believer, you know, bathed in the ideology. Yeah, I agree. Like there's a clear difference between and why the person would even choose to be in either role. Right. One could be, Oh yeah, I'm just a German fighting for Germany. The other one's like, no, I believe in the cause. I believe in the party. Yeah, like the regular trooper is probably conscripted, whereas like yeah. the the, the, the uh, SS soldier is selected yeah. and indoctrinated. But they want to be there too. Yes. Like they work hard to, to get become to, that. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So that's I, the distinction I'm trying to pull here is sure. like stormtroopers aren't just going to easily. And again, there's always exceptions. There's always individuals who right. can break free of the programming or have an experience that changes their mind or whatever else. Um, the, and they, they even again in the lore, like they exist, but they're rare. Yeah, and they're rarer than like turning an imperial army soldier or an imperial army officer versus a stormtrooper sol- soldier officer. Yeah, is was was my main point. But um, one comment from a listener said uh, <laughs> on on the on the subject of stormtroopers, <laughs> the probability of the stormtrooper hitting a target is inversely correlated. Inversely related to the number of stormtroopers plus the number of good guys plus one to the third power plus the number of Jedi plus one to the tenth <laughs> power. <laughs> that formula and, uh, sounds like he actually has a whole formula right <laughs> We need to write it out on a board and, yeah. and see if it if the math adds up. So, so, so we're, we're missing the biggest um, factor in stormtrooper accuracy. Uh, it's it's plot armor. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the strongest armor that exists in Star Wars. <laughs> the strongest armor that exists in many different universes. universes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if any. I don't know if anyone has read the Harry Potter books, but that I don't think it's a very popular series. I don't think many people have. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> in any case, uh, I I quite I will say I enjoyed Harry Potter. Um, very good dialogue and characters, but the plot armor is pretty heavy. <laughs> it's like basically magic can just do anything. Answers any question. And then it's probably the rule, the forgotten rules, about. Yeah. The rules about the magic are like not clearly set anywhere <laughs> at any point. Yeah. And so you can basically do whatever you want, but in, in any case, sounds like the Jedi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways. So again, Everyone, uh, reach out to us. Uh, you can email us questions, comments, uh, concerns. Uh, well, no, leave your concerns out of this. <laughs> I want to know their concerns. <laughs> I care about you guys. Um, 
Starlores podcast at gmail.com. You can also direct message us. Uh, just look up Starlores on Twitter or X, uh, Facebook and Discord and Instagram. Those are all our uh, social medias. You can just just search Star Lords. You'll find us. We'll pop up somewhere there. Uh, you can even Google Star Lords. You'll find us. If you want to support the show, patreon.com forward slash Star Lords for like a coffee. Price of a coffee, guys. Come on. You can get help access us. to all the bonus episodes. Come help on. Let's keep this ship flying. <laughs> yeah. And help yeah. us pay our bond uh, <laughs> to get out of the Stormtrooper Corps because we made a mistake. Yes. You know you want to. Yeah, we have a lot of cool episodes. And that lately, I've been also release, releasing for limited time some of our bonus episodes just to give people little teasers. You can also, actually, we have a new option as well. Um, if you don't want to jump in on Patreon, if, say, you're already a subscriber to Spotify, you can actually subscribe on Spotify for three bucks a month and you can get access to the bonus episodes there. Uh, and they'll let you do that. Uh, in any also rate and review the show, give us a five star rating review on Apple or Spotify. Give us a 10 star rating, <laughs> yeah. Give us two, make another account, and, and give, us, give us another five star <laughs> rating. Give us another five star review, okay? Uh, or wherever you let I know some other platforms also allow it, but those are the two main ones. Uh, yeah, anything else? A disclaimer I probably should have had at the very beginning of this episode. This is not going to be our last Stormtrooper episode. We will certainly oh, yeah. be back, revisit things like their armor, weapons more in detail, the different Stormtrooper types, which is a big one. Yeah, um, for sure. I'm excited to, to do all the different types. So, Yeah, for sure. Also, I wanted to just give a quick shout out to um, one of our fans, uh, also one of our patron members. He has a podcast as well uh, called Grimlore, and uh, he just... It, it's uh, they it's Warhammer, Warhammer lore, but also I think they delve into other dark fantasy stuff as well. So, uh, uh, so not fantasy? Did he say? Oh, War, Warhammer fan. He's talking to me in the in the mic <laughs> or in my headphones. Anyways, uh, just wanted to give a shout out to him. Um, he's also. A support of the show so <laughs> go support his show yeah go support his show as well uh anyways um with that i think i think that's it peace